Today we're going to finish up our series on Embrace Change. So we'll experience another change next week when I start a new series. (laughs) So some changes we, we set out to make happen. And we tend to embrace changes that we set out to make happen. Changes that other people initiate. We're not so sure about those. Look, does it matter what the change is? Change brings opinions. <laughs> change brings questions. Change brings disagreements. Change brings all kinds of things. And it's, look, look, I was having a conversation. It happened to be my, my nephew this week, but the place that he works, the, the, the business that he works for was purchased by another major corporation. And and uh, there's some changes that are happening. Now, for some of you, you wish you had the problem that he's going to tell you, that I'm going to tell you about, that he was saying that, that, look, some of the people were complaining there about their vacation, okay? See, they, they had a policy with the company they were with that, that, that they used to work for. It has now been bought, so they worked for another company. But if they'd worked there for 30 years, they got seven weeks of vacation, some of you are on vacation all the time, and you don't care, okay? So vacation is just like whatever. It doesn't matter. But, but for, there's other people that, man, they wish. See, now they can only get six weeks of vacation. That's the, the max, capped out six weeks. And they no longer can store up their vacation. Like one of his coworkers has like 19 weeks of vacation stored I guess the goal is to get to a whole year. I'm not sure. So that when you go to retire, you just retire a year early. Like now I'm using my vacation. So, so the, the, the company that bought them isn't going to let them do that. See, and as we're having this conversation, I'm saying, look, corporate mergers can go one of two ways. You can lose a week of vacation. Or you can lose your job, okay? So, because that's the other side of corporate mergers, right? I mean, most people, when we talk about mergers, and you know, like it can get worse than losing a potential week of vacation. Like people actually lose jobs in those places. But it's interesting that even in corporate change, there's these questions and and oh man, we're losing this or losing that and all these things. Instead of being grateful, maybe for what they do have. And I think that's something that we can be caught up in. Sometimes our changes that we're experiencing, we've been caught up in the change and, and what we're experiencing, and we forget that there's some things to be grateful for, and there's reasons to celebrate even still. You know, then there's changes that we experience that we had nothing to do with. Sometimes those changes are brought on by physical issues or, or sickness, and those changes are hard to embrace. One of the things that we can learn from Nehemiah is to celebrate wins and to experience joy. A challenge for all of us is to experience joy even when we're not celebrating a win. Today we're going to take a final look at Nehemiah and the rebuild of the walls of Jerusalem. We find ourselves toward the end of the book of Nehemiah. The rebuilding of the wall has taken place. In fact, it's been completed in 52 days. It's an incredible success story. The odds were terrible. Inexperienced builders, overmatched security team, and unproven leader. There are probably more strikes than that, but probably three is enough. We're we're good. In the midst of it, they have this opportunity to experience success. They've made incredible progress. They, They accomplished something that their enemies didn't think they could do. 
they accomplished something they weren't sure they could do. So here's what happened. Kind of as a recap, Nehemiah had gone to Jerusalem from, from Persia, from the city of Susa. He traveled there to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem and to repair the gates. We've talked about the walls for the last four weeks, and we haven't talked about the scope of the project. You know, when I think in terms of a city, I, I think in terms of a city I live in, I, I think in terms of a, a city that I have lived in here, Topeka or someplace else, and, and when we're thinking about Jerusalem and the city walls, I, I think in, I can only relate it to things that, that I've experienced. So my thought is, let's, let's try and bring some context to the story. I've got a question for you. How long has I-70 been under construction? Nineteen fifty what? You know, Eisenhower Highway first stretch of it was dedicated in the fifties. Was it? Am I, is that is that right? Who who knows your Kansas history? Okay, Larry, what? Thank you very much. I wasn't here then. <laughs> okay, I seventy. Yes, it's been on construction since. The 50s, that's not the construction I'm really talking about. I'm talking about this one that they just started this year. It started in April. It's supposed to finish before Thanksgiving. That's an eight-month construction. Does anybody know how long that strip of I-70 that they're repairing is? It's 13 miles. 13 miles. It's taking them eight months, probably 240 days, to lay blacktop with great machinery. How many of you are going to celebrate when I-70 is finished? <laughs> Some of you, you put up with that every day of your lives and you're tired of it. And you like for it to be done. Others of you aren't sure where I-70 is. And you're... <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You know, I was on it recently, and, you know, I don't drive I-70 a ton just the way I drive. Mostly it's north-south, things like that. If I go east-west, I don't tend to get on I-70. I just, right now especially, because I love construction. <laughs> it, it, I know it pains me to say this. I'm actually looking forward to winter. Because it'll finally change seasons. And I know you think that I am lost my mind because it just changed in the fall. No, 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 no. Kansas has two seasons. Road construction and winter. That's all we got. <laughs> Fall doesn't count. <laughs> okay, enough of that. I'm trying to bring you some context to the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem, and, and you, you think I've lost my marbles. I have not. Okay, here, here's another one. I, I, how many of you know what October 27th is? I can't wait for October 27th. You don't know what October 27th is? There's a picture. Throw me the picture. That's as close to Christian food as you can get. so funny. Okay, look, look, Chick-fil-A announced in February they were going to build this free standard so I no longer have to walk them all. It's almost, unless I've got to take my daughter shopping, which hopefully never happens, but I'm, you know, I, no, you can go shopping all you want. I'm just hoping mom takes you. That's, it's just, you know, so, so the deal is, 
Like, right now, i got to walk in the mall to, to, to go to Chick-fil-A. And then when they build this thing, I mean, there was blacktop going into their parking lot yesterday. October 27th, if everything stays on schedule, they're going to open. Look, they started building that thing in the springtime. And they're going to finish it October 27th. Can't wait. I was there for fireworks right there, and I looked across the street from Best Buy, and I looked at that, and they were building and putting steel up, and I, I can't wait for Chick-fil-A to be done. I love Chick-fil-A. My family, we're going to celebrate Chick-fil-A is opening October 27th. We might camp out. <laughs> uh, free food involved. Okay, let's be honest. It's about the free food. Um, don't want to tell you too much because you might want to camp out with us. And, you know, they give free food for the first hundred people in line. You know what I'm saying? So, oh, did I just tell you that out loud? Oh, no. You, you can camp out with us. It's fine. It, 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 you know, so if you camp out and get free food, it's cool. Okay. Well over a hundred days. But twice the amount of time it took to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem is what it's taken to build the Chick-fil-A. Right? Context. Here's the problem. How big was Jerusalem in the time of Nehemiah? Look, and I'll tell you this. Theologians and archaeologists argue about everything. Okay? <laughs> Jerusalem in the time of Nehemiah's day is debated. It's either, it either covered a, a, an area of 37 acres or 200 acres. Context. We own 50 acres at the corner of 21st and Auburn Road. There were approximately 4,500 residents in the city of Jerusalem at that time. Jerusalem is this place that the walls have been broken down. We know that story, but, but when you think about the perimeter of that area of that size is somewhere between one mile in perimeter to two to two and a half miles in perimeter. So they were building between a mile to two and a half miles of wall, rebuilding it. And when I think of walls, you know, walls, two by fours, drywall on both sides, right? I mean, that's a wall. Or, you know, if it's construction like this, we got blocks, so, you know, eight inches or whatever it is. And, and so we've got this wall. Now, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a wall that's 16 feet wide, a mile to two and a half miles around the city that they're rebuilding. Th this is what has happened. This is the, the, and they don't have great machinery. To put it in context for those that know the history of this church, when, when this church was first building, their first building, they, they quarried the limestone for the building at 610 Lime by hand. And they built that building. That would be similar to what's happening in Jerusalem. And now they were able to use some of the stone that was there, but they're building a 16-foot wide wall that goes around the city. And it's a project, and they work on it, and they do it. So the walls are broken down. They've repaired the gates, and now the wall is completed, and they've read the law to everyone, and, and they've repented, and they've committed to following the law. 
They'd all signed on to an oath, and they were committed to doing it. And sometime later, they were ready for the dedication. And it's found in Nehemiah chapter 12. Because of their accomplishments, they celebrated with joy. Their situation allowed them to express joy. But the reality for all of us is that we should be able to express joy and experience joy in all kinds of circumstances, which at times isn't easy. When you get the tough report, when you go through difficulty, it's hard to have joy. But as a follower of Jesus, I think it's something that we must experience in all circumstances. So Nehemiah chapter 12, verse 27 For the dedication of the new wall of Jerusalem. Now, just to, I'll just give you a little side note. The Hebrew word for dedication there is Hanukkah. Okay, just, just, a, just, just a side note. That's the word. It means dedication. For the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, the Levites throughout the land were asked to come to Jerusalem to assist in the ceremonies. They were to take part in the joyous occasion with their songs of thanksgiving and with the music of cymbals, harps, and lyres. The singers were brought together from the region around Jerusalem and from the villages of the Nephtophilites. They also came from Beth Gilgal and the rural areas near Geba and Asimath. For the singers had built their own settlements around Jerusalem. The priests and Levites first purified themselves and then they purified the people, the gates, and the wall. I led the leaders of Judah to the top of the wall and organized two large choirs to give thanks. One of the choirs proceeded southward along the top of the wall to the Dungate. Hoshaniah and, and half the leaders of Judah followed them, along with Azariah, Ezra, Meshulam, Judah, Benjamin, Shemaiah, and Jeremiah. They came some priests who played trumpets, including Zechariah, son of Jonathan, son of Shemaiah, son of Mataniah, son of Micaiah, son of Zachor, and a descendant of Asaph. And Zechariah's colleagues were Shemaiah, Azrael, Melela, Galilah, Meah, Nathanael, Judah, and Hananiah. Don't you wish you were reading that publicly? <laughs> they used the musical instruments prescribed by David, the man of God. Ezra, the scribe, led the procession. At the fountain gate, they went up straight up the steps of the ascent of the city wall toward the city of David. They passed the house of David and proceeded to the water gate on the east. The second choir, giving thanks, went northward around the other way to meet them. I followed them together with the other half of the people along the top of the wall, past the tower of the ovens to the broad wall, then past the Ephraim gate to the old city gate, past the fish gate into the tower of Hananel, and on to the tower of the hundred. Then we continued on to the sheep gate and stopped at the guard gate. The two choirs that were giving thanks then proceeded to the temple of God, where they took their places, so did I, together with a group of leaders who were with me. We went together with the trumpet-playing priests and the singers. and They played and sang loudly under the direction of Jezariah, the choir director. Many sacrifices were offered on that joyous day, for God had given the people cause for great joy. The women and children also participated in the celebration. The joy of the people of Jerusalem could be heard far away. What you see here is this moment where they have this opportunity to experience joy. Look, this was a day of celebration. It was a day of, of thanksgiving. It was a day of, of worship and praise. It was a day of celebrating all that God had done. 
But to be honest, everything wasn't perfect. Everything wasn't as they'd hoped it to be. See, we don't know, and, and again, I told you, theologians tend to argue, and, and, and so we don't know for sure whether Nehemiah 13 takes place after Nehemiah 12. I know it doesn't make sense, but, but, but there's a possibility that Nehemiah 13 actually takes place prior to Nehemiah chapter 12 because it says, and before this, something happened. And so and the reason that that's important, and it's not really important that it makes any theological difference, but what we know in reading Nehemiah 13 is that Nehemiah had taken a trip back to Susa to give a report to the king, and he had come back and he found things out of order. It wasn't right. There were people that uh, one of his, his um, enemies had moved into the temple and had taken over a storage area and some of those things, and it just wasn't good. There were, there were problems. And, and irregardless, whether, whether if you have one of these things happens or, or, or it happens in another direction, it doesn't matter. What matters is their lives were not perfect. They were having a day of celebration, and they were celebrating what God had done. But here's the deal. we got to experience joy despite our circumstances. Like, joy can't be dependent on circumstances. Joy can't be dependent on whether uh, we initiated the changes we're experiencing. Look, the, the people of Nehemiah's day were celebrating something that was Nehemiah's accomplishment. They did it together. But you know, the, the leader's going to get all the credit, right? And so they're celebrating this, and he's going to get credit for this. And Nehemiah's heart is not that. Nehemiah's heart was just to do something that God had told him to do and to bring restoration to the city that he loved. He loved Jerusalem. He wanted the people of Jerusalem to love their city as well. Look, I've got an idea for you. You know, some days you, you know that there's moments in life where you wake up and, and you feel like you've gotten up on the wrong side of the bed, right? And things just go not so good part of the day. I've got a solution for you. Just find you a toad and eat one every morning. <laughs> Everything's got to be better than that. <laughs> Everything's going to seem like it's going to be a wonderful thing after you've eaten a toad every morning. All right, so that's not a practical method, right? But look, despite circumstances, we need to experience joy. One of the first ways to experience joy is to have holiness in our lives. Holiness precedes joy. Nehemiah 12.30 We've read it just a moment ago, but 1230 says, The priests and Levites first purified themselves, then they purified the people, the gates, and the wall. Look, it's important to understand if you want to experience joy in your lives, then holiness has to precede that. Look, if we'll live our lives according to the plan that God has for it, the pattern that God has given us, we will experience joy. If we decide to do things our own way, probability is we're not going to experience joy. Joy is found, first off, in knowing we're following God's plan. And if you know you're following God's plan, you can experience joy despite your circumstances. Acts 5.41 says this, The apostles left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. 
You know, when you think about that, you think about the apostles in, in, in the early church, that first century, and you, you recognize that they, they leave from places like this where they've been beaten and other things have gone on, and, and they walk out of that place and they go, yes, we've been counted worthy to suffer for Jesus. Yes, it's a great day. We've been beaten for the name of Jesus. This is a great day. It's not just one time. Acts 16 gives us this. They were severely beaten, and they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape, so the jailer put them in the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Look, look, here is a first century prison. It would not be anything like we have in America. First century prison would be ugly. It would be, it would be ridiculously bad. And here they are celebrating the goodness of God. Now look, I know we would be praying in prison, but singing hymns to God and worshiping God, that would be a bit more of a challenge because they're rejoicing in the situations that they're in. They're rejoicing in the midst of the circumstances they find themselves we can go further to 2 Corinthians 8. We learn about this church in Macedonia. And, and it says in 2 Corinthians 8, they were, are being tested by many troubles. And they are very poor. But they're also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. And it's just a powerful thought that they, they would be in the midst of these moments where things were not good, where it was difficult. And yet... They'd be filled with abundant joy, which is overflowed in rich generosity. James 1 teaches us, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider an opportunity for great joy. <laughs> I don't know about you, but that seems awful hard to me. When troubles of any kind come your way, consider an opportunity for great joy. Regardless of the circumstances you face, God wants us to experience joy. Our joy, second of all, should be directed to God. Our joy must be directed to God. It must be given to God. Joy isn't something that we just feel or have. It's a thing that we do. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, we understand that in order to love, it demands action. You know what? In order to have joy, it demands action. It's something that we do. Joy. As they celebrated, they walked on the walls. They directed their praise to God. They, this was this, this whole dedication moment where they, they spend this time giving thanks. In verse 40, it says, the two choirs that were giving thanks then proceeded to the temple of God, where they took their places. So did I, together with the group of leaders who were with me. They, 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 these choirs were giving thanks. It was all directed toward God. It was all a celebration of what God was doing, what God had done. It goes on to, to the third thought for the day. For We need to experience joy for what God has done. Verse 43, many sacrifices were offered on that joyous day. For God had given the people cause for great joy. The women and children also participated in the celebration. And the joy of the people of Jerusalem could be heard far away. Their celebration was about what God had done through them. 
No, look, they knew they'd accomplished something that they couldn't do on their own. They got that. They, they understood they couldn't do that on their own. They needed God's help. And they understood that God was giving them great joy. Look, how cool would it be to some Sunday do church on the roof of the building? Right, I'm crazy, I know, but, but think about it. What, what would it be like to, to be on the top of the building worshiping God and that sound traveling? Where would that sound travel to? A mile away? Look, we did a concert out here one time, and um, it traveled further than the neighbors wanted it to travel. It was a Saturday afternoon, and they came over to tell us they did not like the sound. It's years ago, I don't know. 10, 12 years ago. They didn't, they didn't like it. And they, they told us pretty straightforward. They, they no interest whatsoever in, in that sound. Um, look, they're on the walls. And they're worshiping. And they're celebrating. And they're celebrating what God had done. Wouldn't it be cool to be up on the roof of the building? It's not really that cool. It's flat. But other than that, it's really not that amazing. You could see some cool stuff up there. You can see like right above, like right there, there's a good lightning strike that burns some brick right there. Just up on top. If you've been up there, it's really like just, you know, and like burnt brick. It's kind of a cool look, but it gives us a little bit of Nehemiah wall look up there. I mean, it's kind of fun. Um, so we could go up there and celebrate that. We could celebrate what God has done. See, but, but it wasn't about the wall. It's what the wall meant. It was the purpose of the wall they were celebrating. It is what God had done that they were celebrating. Look, that's why we take a moment in the midst of the service this morning and celebrate what God has done. God has done miracles in the lives of people. Look, we celebrate this morning because there's people in this room, well, every one of us at some point, hopefully, have made a commitment to follow Christ. We celebrate that because of what God has done. We couldn't do it on the reason we lift our voices and sing songs is because we realize that God is so good to us. Look, we sing about his love and love coming down and rescuing us and setting us free. And look, we got to remember those things. And that ought to be cause for great joy in our lives, independent of circumstance, because of who God is. And they were celebrating what God had done. It makes me think of Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Because everything that we ever accomplish in this life is because of God. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now all glory to God who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Look. He's able to do infinitely more than we can ask or think. And He's going to do it through us. He's going to do His work through us and we're going to celebrate with joy for what He's done. And the final thought for the day is no holding back. 
But verse 43 says, many sacrifices were offered on that joyous day. For God had given the people cause for great joy. Look, he's given us cause for great joy. I mean, how many of you know that he's given us cause for great joy? Like when we think about that, I mean, I just, we don't have to think long about it. I mean, we just have to think about our life before Christ and our life after Christ. And at that moment, that's cause for great joy. Man, it, it's, just, it's rather simple, but yet it's pretty profound. If we'll constantly remember just that one thing in our lives, the cause for great joy of our freedom that is found through Christ, it can change a lot of perspective. See, we can go through difficulties and celebrate and experience joy in spite of those times because we just remember what he's done for us. Look, I'm sure that when they were standing on those walls and the choirs were singing, look, there were probably nobody out there going, shh, 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 stop, you're too loud. Look, why is it when we're in a gathering like this on a Sunday morning that, that, that there are times and if somebody does something that's slightly out of character for what's going on in the room and, and, they, and they start to worship loudly or, or, or express joy in some way that we, we sometimes struggle with. I do. I mean, there's times that I struggle with that. Why? We, we shouldn't be. We, we should not be holding back. Like our, our expression of joy in this context ought to be powerful. No holding back. But to be honest... Our expression of joy. Thank you, Llewellyn. I appreciate that. Um, but, but in the midst, not just in this place, but our expression of joy in life ought to be off the charts. No holding back. Like, people ought to look at you and I, and when we're smiling all the time, you know what their thought is. What are they up to? <laughs> it's just a response of the goodness of our God. There's no holding back because God has given us reason for great joy. The people of that day, at that time, when they're up there on top of those walls, they were not holding back. They were, they were singing to the top of their lungs. They were worshiping. They were celebrating because it was a moment that they had never dreamed would happen. I want you to consider what took place in John chapter 12. It says this in verse 3, Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance. And after that, we, we, we understand what happens here a little bit, but, but what happens here is she takes an expensive perfume, That was probably worth a year's wage. Poured it out on Jesus' feet. Judas was furious. Jesus was okay with it. This isn't a justification for waste, but, but it is also, it is a justification for giving the best we have to the work of the kingdom. The best of our time, our life, our talents, our energies, our finances, the best that we have into the kingdom. 
Look, that's what Mary did that day. And Jesus' response, and, and look, I believe in caring for the poor, but Jesus' response that day was, to Judas was, look, you're going to have the poor with you always. You're going to have me for a little while. Look, I think that in times of worship, there should be no holding back. Now, our lives should be lived as lives of worship, so there should be no holding back. Like, there should be no holding back in the midst of an environment where we're gathered together with fellow believers. We ought to celebrate the goodness of our God. But there ought not to be any holding back in, in the midst of our lives, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces. Now, look, we got to temper a little bit. But you ought to have the joy of Christ radiant from your lives because we are experiencing joy in spite of all kinds of circumstances because God has given us reason for great joy. That's what they were experiencing as they're celebrating the, the dedication of the walls. They were celebrating a building of a, a fortress, a protection. What I understand is, is Jesus is our protection. And Jesus is the one who set us free. And he's the one who, they, they're celebrating this, this thing. And we're going to celebrate. Look, we're going to stick shovels in the ground and, and break ground for, for a building at Mission Hill. And we're going to celebrate when that thing's finished. We're, we're going to look out here. We're going to see a, a parking lot that gets you know, paved, and, and you won't have to worry about losing one tire in a hole out there in the parking lot. We're going to celebrate that. We're going to celebrate a, a remodel of the kitchen. We're going we're to celebrate a lot of things. But none of that matters if lives don't change. See, lives in Jerusalem changed. There was protection. There was freedom. There was joy. Look, lives changing, experience the freedom of Christ, experiencing the joy that's found in Jesus, a, a realization that I once was in darkness, but now I'm in light. I was once lost, but now I'm found. I, I was once broken, now I've been restored. And when I realized that, it caused for great joy. And there should be no holding back. I want to give the best that I have for his kingdom and for his purposes. I want to experience joy in spite of my circumstances. I want to experience joy for what Jesus has done for me. I want to experience joy in the midst of change. I want to experience joy in the midst of great times. I want to experience joy in the midst of the tough times. I want to experience joy every single day of my life. I want to live a life of joy. I want to live a life that reflects what Jesus has done for me. And I don't want to hold back. Are you with me? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you, God, for helping every one of us in the midst of life change, in the midst of tough changes, in the midst of easier changes. God, thank you for the power of Christ at work within us. Lord, this morning, God, wherever we find ourselves, I ask, Lord, that there be experience of joy, that we would recognize that there's cause for great joy. Lord, I pray for those who may walk in today that need to start a relationship with you. They walked in here and they're going through difficulty. 
things have stolen their joy. They're not living according to the pattern that you've given. Lord, today you want to bring them freedom and you want to bring them joy. Lord, speak into their hearts today that they would start their lives brand new today. Making a commitment to follow you. Lord, for those in this place that are going through tough times, those that are facing surgeries, diagnosis that are tough, Lord, I'm praying that if they haven't already experienced a miracle, Lord, they'd experience a miracle here and now. Lord, that you would meet them, you would touch them, you would heal them. Lord, even in the midst of walking through some not-so-fun moments, God, may every one of us experience joy. May we commit to being joyful, no matter what the circumstance. Lord, have your way in these few moments we have left. God, I pray, do what you want to do as you, as people pray, God, meet each person exactly where they need you, in Jesus' name.